Hey, New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com. Here is this week's teaching. As we get going here this morning, I have a couple words here. Do you guys like hearing these words? Good job. Well done. Is there anybody out there that likes hearing those words or something like that? There's a few of you out there that like that. Anybody out there doesn't like hearing those words? All right. Counseling is necessary for a few of you, but we kind of like these words, don't we? Good job. Well, we like to be affirmed. And and we're going to be looking a little bit at those words as we dig into uh, God's word today and see what he has for us today. But before we do, Welcome to those who are watching online, our friends over at the prison and the jail, and for you in the room, it is great to be together as we find ourselves week three of the Jesus Period sermon series, as we're looking into some of those great stories about Jesus. And today we're looking at one that is found in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's, it's important enough that all four of them felt it should be in there. And so we're going to be looking into this story that Mike already read uh, on location. And uh, we're going to see what is in there for us, along with what was in there for Jesus and the Father as they had this moment, this baptism moment. You know, these words, good job, well done. They're so important for me because I'm a dad. And, you know, and I don't know about you, if you're a a dad uh, or a mom that, you know, we hopefully would like sharing these words with our kids once in a while, because usually it means our kids are doing something good, right? And that's when we share them. But beyond that, I love the emotions that we share in words of affirmation like this, that we can let them know that it's important. And I know it's important to them to hear it, Because I remember as a youngster myself, I remember those moments where my mom or my dad, yes, I had a couple of those moments where mom and dad said, good job, Paul, well done. And so we all love hearing those words. And we're going to be looking at this moment with Jesus, the son, and how he interacted with the father in this moment of baptism. And as they shared that special moment, what does it have to do for us? So again, Mike started this off. Let's let's look at this again here. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But get this now, John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? Now, it's kind of a little bit of a funny moment because especially if you look at the bigger picture of what's been going on here, because John had been there at the Jordan River and he had been talking to all the other people who were there in the vicinity and and he was helping them to understand about this guy, Jesus. And so looking what John was sharing with them, we might see the funny moment and why he's struggling right now of pushing back at Jesus. Backing up just a couple of verses in verse 11, this is what John was telling the people. He says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone, Jesus, is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to even be his slave and to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So again, John had just been sharing with all the people and here comes Jesus saying, you're going to baptize me. Can you imagine? Uh, No, 
That's not what I was just telling them, Jesus. I was telling them that you're coming to baptize everyone. And I was also telling them that you're the Messiah. You're the big kahuna. You don't come to ask me for this. And oh, by the way, why in the world are you coming to be baptized? I mean, that's, that's being like all the other little people, the regular people going down into the water where they've been doing. And there, that's the sinners, Jesus. You don't go down where the sinners are. And oh, by the way, Jesus, you're coming to me. I'm just John. I'm nobody in comparison to you. I should be coming to you. Do you really want me to go through with this? John is wondering. And Jesus responds, yep. Well, okay, he didn't really just say, yep. He had a bigger explanation of why. He says, but Jesus said, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. So Jesus, in this explanation, he shares two primary reasons of why he's coming to be baptized. The first one is fulfillment. And he said he needs to carry out. And that's another way to be saying we need to fulfill. And Matthew shares this understanding all throughout his gospel where he is trying to present the understanding that God, who wrote this story a long time ago about the Messiah coming, and he shared all these different things that were going to happen when the Messiah came, John is trying to get this understanding from Jesus that we need to fulfill. Just like in the earlier part of this Jesus story, Mary becomes pregnant. She was a virgin. And that was to fulfill what was said long ago in the earlier part of the Bible that a virgin would be with child. Also, as we look at the story from two weeks ago, Mary and Joseph went off to Bethlehem to have the baby. Why? Because it was to fulfill what was written long ago in the earlier part of the story of what was going to be happening with Jesus as he came. All throughout his gospel, Matthew's wanting to show that Jesus is the Messiah as he keeps pointing out what was being fulfilled from the earlier parts of the story. And here, God is wanting to fulfill that the Messiah, it's now time for him to show up and to do the things all the way up to the resurrection. It's time to fulfill all that God has put in motion. And the other thing, to finish it out, also because he, meaning the Father, said so. We're going to be baptized here because the Father said so. Any of you parents ever used that phrase before? Any of you ever said, because I said so? Or is it just me? Am I the only one? Yeah. No, we, we, we say it, don't we? How many of your children like that phrase? Yeah, there's only ever been one. It's been Jesus. Jesus loves that phrase because Jesus was always wanting to be the one who fulfilled what the Father put in motion. He liked to be about what the Father said, just like what Karen talked about last week when she was sharing this information about Jesus as a teenager. He was in the temple being about the Father's business. He always wanted to do what the Father said was the right thing to do. So if the Father said, because I said so, Jesus says, I'm in. And the Father says, it's time to start your journey. We're going to do baptism. Now you think about how Jesus could have started his Messiah journey. I mean, he's the king of kings, right? 
So the, how can the king of kings show up? Well, he could show up and tell Herod, I'm going to be the king. And he could take his place on the throne and throw Herod off to the side and say, I'm the king of kings. I'm going to be the king. Another way, he, you know, he knew the word of God. Matter of fact, he wrote the word of God. So he could have gone into the temple and become one of the greatest preachers ever and just let all those religious leaders know, this is what I was really wanting you to get. And another cool way that Jesus could have showed up on the scene, I mean, you look at the different times throughout Scripture where, where we find God using creation, like a big storm. Could you imagine that Jesus shows up and there's thunder and lightning and hurricane and tornadoes? And, but he didn't, because that's not what the Father said so. Instead, the Father says, we're going to have a baptism. Now, why does that make sense for us that Jesus, as he begins his Messiah journey, as he's letting the world know it's time for this journey for these next three years to going on to the resurrection, why does it make sense? Well, because in going into the water for baptism, Jesus identifies with the people in their need for a Savior. Let me say that again. In going into the water for baptism, Jesus identifies with all the people in their need for a savior. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. But as Jesus comes, he does the thing that is just right for Jesus to do. He comes in humility. He comes instead of looking down at them and saying, you should be baptized. He comes with them and lifts them up and said, we are together on this journey. So as Jesus shares, it's the right thing to do because the Father says so. Well, John wants to do the right thing, right? So jumping to verse 15, so John agreed to baptize him. They're ready to go down into the water. Now, can you imagine some of the emotions that John has going on right now? <laughs> He's been doing a lot of baptisms and just baptisms alone. When we have Baptism Sunday here, it's an exciting moment. We love baptisms. John loved baptisms. But now he's going into the water and it's a little bit different this time. Can you imagine some of those motions? It kind of be like Pastor Mike going into this place, Arrowhead Stadium, you know, this huge Chiefs fan going in for a tour and starting to see all these places where all these players that he loves walking along. And then all the, let's take it to another level because you think John's walking down into the water with the Messiah. Well, all of a sudden, Mike's tour guide is this, this guy, this whatever his name is. Mahomes shows up. Dude, how you feel about that? Yeah. Can you imagine the emotions? Well, that's John. They're walking down into the water. John has done lots of baptisms, but now it's Jesus. It's the Messiah, and he's going down in. And so they, they, they start the baptism, and as... The baptism begins, and as he's coming out, the fireworks begin. Let's see. After his baptism, as he came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and setting on him. Can you imagine John in this moment? He had done a lot of baptism, had a lot of ex exciting moments, but now it says that the, the, the world opens up, the heavens open up. It's kind of like you've seen these scenes before, right? Where we look into the clouds and the sun, the rays of sun just come down. God's up there just smiling. 
beaming from ear to ear because his boy's doing what he's supposed to be doing down there. He's just beaming. The, the sunshine is, you know, God must not have drinking any coffee because he's just shining up there, shining down the light. And then all of a sudden it says the spirit of God descends upon him. It's almost like God just puts his hands on the shoulders of his boy, kind of like this moment for me. That's my dad in the middle there. He was the fire chief in town and that's his boys. Yes, I had hair back then. And, but my dad was just, it was one of these special moments. My dad, he was just beaming because there's his boys carrying out the family business of being firemen. And he was just so proud in that moment. And that was the father in this moment. He's just beaming. The, the sky opens up with just the smile of God. He puts his hands on the shoulders and then the father speaks. What does the father say? And a voice from heaven said, this, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. He's smiling from ear to ear, his hands on the shoulder of his boy. And he just says, that's my boy. He's doing what I love for him to do. Can you imagine Jesus in that moment as the child just his chest is puffed up because his father is just doting on him. Can you imagine that moment of the affirmation just pouring out upon him? We love those moments, don't we, in our lives? Have you had, hopefully you had at least a few of those in your day where maybe it's a, a boss that you love and you respect and just saying, great job on that project. Or maybe it's your spouse just saying, that was one of the best meals I ever ate in my life. Or, wow, you cut the grass so well. You know, we affirm each other. Maybe it's a child-parent situation. You know, as we look at this amazing God-filled moment of the father looking down at the son and affirming them, saying, good job, well done. The question for us is, maybe who in your life needs some love or affirmation of encouragement? Because this is a God thing. This is what we see the father doing doesn't that mean that we should be pulling alongside and figuring out who do we need to affirm in our lives? You know, for me, you know who it starts with? It starts with my wife. We've been married for 23 years and I need to keep getting this right. Be the one who lets your spouse know that they have worth. It is so important that we do this because they're going to hear it from somewhere. Be first in line. And you know, be honest with you, this is hard for me being first in line because my wife has parents who love and adore her and you know they're regularly affirming her for things like she was up on the stage here preaching last week and I know that she heard from her parents about how what a great job that she did and, and the, the funny thing is she could have come up here and she could have just left out a big burp and they'd be out there saying way to go Karen you know great breath support way to project I need to be first in line letting my wife know that her burps are the best, right? I, I need to be the one. We need to do that. We need to let our spouses know that we appreciate them because they need to hear that. And secondly, for me and the kids, I, you know, my kids are my kids. You can borrow them. Like Mitch, he borrowed them up here. Two of them are up here on the stage helping lead worship earlier. But Mitch, I want them back. They're my kids and I want my kids to know that they're my, I want to be possessive about them and help them to know that they are special to me and I really appreciate them. And because I'm not the hippest dad, I'm just not, 
but I want to be their dad. And I want them to want to come home to my house because of what they know of the relationship that I have with them. But beyond my wife and my kids, there's so many others that I want to make sure that I'm affirming them out there. Like, for instance, I want my men's life group to know that they are the best life group. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, these guys are the best. I know there's some of you other life group leaders out there that think your group is the best. Uh Uh-uh. They're just not. Because my guys, we are in the trenches fighting Satan together. They pray for me. I pray for them. We have great conversations about God. We serve alongside each other. And we are walking the battle of Satan together. And so I need to be first in line of affirming them and letting them know, I guess their spouses can go first if they're married. But I want to let them know that, man, I appreciate them in the journey. Who is it for you? How can you learn from the father in this story and recognize how important it is for us to affirm others and let them know that they're special to us? You know, John sees this moment happen with Jesus. And John is overwhelmed with excitement. And so he begins to share this story with the others who are around. And the other John, John the disciple, the one who wrote the gospel and some other letters, John was there. We see that in the story that he's there. He's hanging out with John the Baptist. He's one of John's followers before he became one of Jesus's followers. And it's there that John learns of this special moment and the father talking to the son and what that means. And now John wants us to know what it means for us. Now, are you ready for this? Because this is going to get, if you're paying attention, this is where it's going to get really powerful for us. Because John, the disciple, as he recognizes and hears this moment of the father and the son, he wants us to know what it means for us. And he writes in his letter of 1 John chapter 3, he says, see how much our father loves us. And it's a lot. How much so? For he calls us his what? His children. And that is what we are. Do you see it? Do you get it? For those who follow Jesus, we get the same title. We have the same relationship with the Father that Jesus does. We, like Jesus, are the beloved children of the Father. get it. You are the beloved. God looks at you. And as you pull alongside of Jesus and receive him as your savior and as your Lord, he looks at you and with a smile on his face, the Holy Spirit of God descending down upon you. And with his voice pounding from heaven, he looks at you and says, you are my beloved. But here's our problem. See, the problem is, whose voice are you hearing? Because whether we like it or not, there's a lot of voices in our world that loves talking to us and loves sharing what they think about us. And for so many, for so long, we have heard these other voices telling us things like we're too tall or we're too short, we're too big or we're too small. We're not smart enough. We're not strong enough. 
You can't sing, you can't dance, you can't hop, skip, or jump. And we hear these other voices pouring into us and we begin to hear them. We can't begin to believe them. And we start to self-reflect or self-reject and thinking, I'll never amount to anything. I'm not good for anything. What good am I? And the problem is these voices are so intentional over and over and over again. When really the primary voice that we need to be hearing is the voice of the Father who looks at each and every one of us who wants to follow Jesus. And he says to every one of us, you are my beloved. Paul wants us to get this understanding of what this means for us. And we jump into Paul. He's writing to the church at Ephesus in chapter three. And he says this, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews, that means everyone, Everybody who believes the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part or everybody is part of the same body and everybody enjoys the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ Jesus, if you are walking with Christ, if you received him as your Savior and your Lord, then you are a child of God. And as a child of God, Paul tells us that we receive the inheritance of the blessings of God that begins with the eternal life that we have in Christ Jesus, both there and then, but also here and now, as we walk today in the presence of the Almighty God, the Father who walks with each one of us, wanting to share the voice from heaven to hear, help us to hear just like Jesus heard, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter. We need to push those other voices out and get a good hearing of the Father's voice who's wanting us to know who we are in Christ. And that's why, truthfully, our own baptisms are so important. Not just our own, but watching other people get baptized. Because when we go into the water, like we so often see here, when we go into the water, we are joining Jesus in his baptism moment. We, our baptism is a celebration of our relationship with Christ. What we have already given to Christ, what we go into the water then and we go, as we go into the water, we're into the tomb with Jesus dying to the things of this world that pull us away from Christ. And as we come out of the water, it's that imagery that we are now walking the eternal journey, a new life in Christ Jesus. So if you know Jesus, if you are walking in a salvation relationship with Jesus, but yet you haven't been baptized, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for you to have that celebration where you get to share with the world what you already have in that relationship with Christ Jesus. If that's you, we're going to be doing baptisms just in a few weeks here. We're, we have a class in two weeks. I would love for you to pull out that card in, in the chairs in front of you that says, I have decided. Because it's time for you to decide 
I'm going to check that box. I'm ready to be baptized and to share that special moment with Jesus as I let the world know that I walk with Jesus in eternal life and I'm ready to let the world know that I'm here to get baptized. Now, for those of you who have been baptized, whether it was just a few weeks ago or whether it was years and years ago, what do we need to do on a regular basis? We need to remember our baptism. Because again, our baptism is a reminder of that relationship that we have with Christ. We need to remember our baptism. Every time we see someone else get baptized, we need to remember that special moment that we had with Jesus. And I'm going to give you an extra special way to remember your baptism here today. For those of you who have been baptized, <clears throat> I have seashells for you. <clears throat> They're on the tables up here where we normally do communion, also the tables up in the balcony. And there's also bowls of water there on those tables. And in just a moment, when the band starts singing their next song, I'm going to invite you to come to the table. And I'm going to invite you to take a seashell. Why a seashell? Because throughout the history of the Christian church, seashells have simply been a symbol of baptism because just like when we come out of the water in baptism, these seashells have come out of the water. Remember your baptism. Because I know a lot of you, and I know a lot of you have had other voices speaking into you. They're wrong. They're wrong. But the Father looks at you, and He says, You are my beloved. So take it home and remember. Remember that special moment when the Father was just beaming as he celebrated with you the eternal life that you have in Christ Jesus. Maybe write remember on there. Maybe write beloved on there. Put it where you'll see it over and over again to remember that special moment that you had with God. But may you always remember, no matter what anyone else says, you our God's beloved. God, thank you for the special moment that you, Father, had with your Son that speaks into our journeys with you. God, thank you that we as your children, like Jesus, we inherit, we have eternal life with you. Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the price for that. We can't praise you enough for the the work that you did on the cross, dying in our place, dying our death. But Jesus, we're with you now. We are your children like you. May we continue to walk with you, pushing those other voices out of the way so that we might hear your voice regularly in our lives. And we're your beloved. Thanks, God. I pray these things in your holy name and all God's people said, amen.